Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I hope you're having a wonderful early morning today on this Wednesday. I am looking forward to this conversation. The topic today is called, Does God Have Favorites? Does God protect and bless some and not others? Some may say, well, that's ridiculous. And then others will say, well, of course he does. Uh, there's a lot in scripture that could be pulled out that says God does take care of favorites and that he does bless certain people if you behave or his special people, the Israelites and such and such. Like you'll be able to build a case for all of it. But is it consistent with who Jesus is? That's a big question. So let's dig into this really good conversation with uh, Richard Murray and Bill Thrasher as we dig into this topic. And I, I think you'll really enjoy this one. This was a, yeah, let's just say it'll, it'll, uh, it'll resonate with many of you. And if topic uh, surprises you and goes, and you're thinking, well, of course he does, then you may have your eyes open a little bit in this one. And it's done gently. So I hope you'll enjoy this. Here we go. All right. Welcome, everybody. It's Still Growing Grace. We got Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray here with me, and uh, we're going to have a conversation about something that's kind of come up for me uh, in this past week. I've had some friends go through some pretty tough stuff, and um, they were sitting at a table with somebody else who was just talking about how God had blessed them and protected them from something. And this other couple were thinking, but wait, we just went through some horrible. Where, where's God in my mess? And I'm realizing this is a big threat, a big question that many people ask. It's probably one of the biggies, I think. You know, where's God when the pain hits or does he exist in my pain? Uh, I don't know how else to word it, but what, what have you guys heard as far as one of those those big questions? And let's dive into having a conversation about who, why this is a problem. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I guess we were just dead air for a second there. <laughs> Sorry, that's fine. Um, it is, it is. And I think part of this is the idea, um, this goes back, I think, to a lot of religious um, baggage that so many people care, carry, where the idea of God is this semi-disconnected entity, right, who has and is actively involved in controlling what's happening in this world, number one, allowing evil, disallowing evil, blessing certain people, cursing other people, very, very Old Testament, Old Covenant version of God uh, that, that's kind of blended in to, to maybe this new revelation of Jesus that we get and that the three of us tend to uh, convey. Um, so that, that kind of layers in just people's psyche. And I don't think it's only Christianity that's done that. Every you know, karmetic version of faith. In other words, every version of faith where it's a quid pro quo relationship with the the creation, right? What goes around comes around, whatever you want to talk about it. And the reality is, I think the Newtonian aspect of our world has some elements of that, right? You go jump off a building, you're going to get hurt. 
Um, but there's also chaotic kind of um, experiences that people go through that we don't control that, that just come upon us. And we, our, our instinct our natural inclination without kind of a changing of our understanding of God is to, is to blame something metaphysical, right? To blame, to, to cast blame or cast uh, dispersions upon what, and ask that big giant question, question why? Why did this happen to me and not to them? Or why is that happening to them and not to me? And I, I think it's, it's, the whole question is flawed from its premise. I was, I was going to say, I wonder if it's the wrong question. And we don't it, know it. Just, but we all do it. We all, even, even me and I, I imagine you two, we're so inclined by our flesh to fall back into that. Even when we know Christ, I think that's the beauty of, of um, I'm going to take a little slide weird tangent, the Lord's Supper, the idea of it, the idea of the Lord's Supper to remind us on the word re, right? To, to be reminded constantly that that's not how God operates. Mm. God is a co-suffering with us. God is, you know, self-giving love and, and chooses to not force his initiatives upon this world and kind of gives grace instead of forcing things through this karmatic legalistic paradigm. So the question in of itself is flawed. And, and it's so hard for us, though, in the middle of suffering, not to start to ask it again. I think Job the whole book of Job, that's like the exploration of that whole book, right? So um, at least that's my initial just the uh, to your to your thing. That's good. Uh, you know, I let's look at our bodies, for instance. Our bodies have are, are, are full of all sorts of healing properties. The, mm -hmm. the self-heal, the self-correctness, and yet our bodies are slow to heal or even don't heal certain areas that we may have problems with. And yet it rushes to other areas and we get healed of something normally and, and, and of affliction normally. I think that's, that's a good metaphor to see here that God is, you know, Jesus goes back to Nazareth. All right. In Mark chapter six, and he goes back there to do mighty works. He goes back there to show them the mighty works of God. And yet he is stunned in unbelief, he marvels at their unbelief because of their unbelief. No particular persons, but their unbelief. There was a scorched sky in that situation that he could not do the works that he wanted to do there, the works that he was willing to do there, the works that he was available to do there. But it did say, except that he healed a few sick people. That was the that, but that was all the light that could get into that situation. Now the question is, well, why? Why? I mean, is it their what does their corporate unbelief mean? Is that intentional unbelief? Is it ignorant unbelief? It's a it's a hardness of heart. What exactly it is? We don't know. Okay, but I, I I know enough about the Lord that if He can work in a situation, He will work in a situation, and if He can't work in a situation, He'll work in it on the level that He can work on it, and to the degree that He can work on, it. and to the degree that there may be radio stations there of faith through other believers and some critical mass hit. These are things we don't know about on the metaphysical realm. We don't know all the pond ripples that come in and keep up, you know, let a certain destruction happen and yet let another one be averted. Mm. If we were fully hitting on all cylinders as the body of Christ, we would be, we would be uh, uh, conduits for his salvation. To go. And I think, that's sort of what it's supposed to be is us being the conduits of faith 
Mm. I'll never forget that picture in the Matrix. If you remember in the Matrix, they're there and there's a scored sky. No one can see the sun. And then Neo in that in, in that first episode toward the end, they fly up past the scored sky and they see the sun for the first time in their lives. But there are certain holes that can be punched through this scored sky and God's glory can be revealed. We are one factor, but we aren't the only factor. So we our faith needs to be that we only have a rough understanding of this, but let's bring our A game. Let's bring our A game of willingness. Let's be there. Let's hear. Let's jointly hear. If, 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 if you know, uh, one time Jesus said one man, one, uh, a man sows and another man reaps. All right. What we don't want to do is get someone saying, well, because I didn't have, are you saying I didn't have enough faith and that's why God didn't help me in my situation? No, individual faith is not given as the reason you know, in, in that Nazareth thing, it was corporate faith. It was the it was the sphere of influence that was in that particular area at the time that was blocking it. So I think, you know, I, I think that we need to have a uh, uh, we need to have a view that that we're still in a scorched sky, even though the victory is won, even though God's will is done in heaven. What we're trying to do as the body of Christ is punch holes in the scorched sky and let that, that victory come down to earth as it is in heaven. Every time we pray, maybe we open up a portal, you know, of the scorched sky, just a little bit more toward a particular situation. And these things are, it's not even a one for one ratio. I mean, this is the body of Christ. We're talking about something big here and we're all in this together. We are all in one body, just like we have all these healing properties in our body. This entire world is one body. You know, we're here together. The body of Christ is that all in all. That is the Ephesians. That is the Ephesians goal, that Christ be all in all, that his healing, that his curative properties be all in all. So we we receive and we pass it on. So, I mean, this is we, we need. And, and there's one other point I, I, I want to make, too. We need to avoid dualistic thinking. OK, this is the attitude that we should have. The attitude that we should have is. You tell me you got healed in your situation. I should praise God at that. Mm. I think whatever good is of noble is a good report. I should affirm that. My first thought shouldn't be, well, what about you saying I don't have faith? Yeah, that, is exactly. so self, that is so self-centered and it's understandable. I've done that a hundred times. <laughs> yep. or before. You know, so it's not that it's not natural in a, in a fleshly way, Correct. but it is from the natural man and not from the spiritual man, not from the spiritual person. You know, the, 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 the dualistic mind will trap us into which everything good that happens, we immediately turn to the bad. Well, why didn't that do it? Why they, you can never enjoy, you can never embrace the moment that the scored sky was able to be penetrated in this situation. We should be rejoicing at that. that. That's what we should be doing. And the more we rejoice, you know what that does? That opens the scored sky even more over other areas. But I wonder how much our dualistic mindset you know, the ball and chain, you know, that just keeps us weighted down and self-focused and self-absorbed that we can't even rejoice. If another child gets healed, are you telling me that I can't rejoice at that because to do so would mean I'm ignoring your child? Yeah. No, no, no. Everybody should be rejoicing over every child that gets healed and everyone should be mourning over every child who doesn't get healed. And in that, we experience the pain, each other's pain, but it, it's a unified it, feeling. Yeah, then, then we experience co-suffering love, which we're made in the image of, and then we start to manifest the, the kingdom of heaven right here and right now. Amen. 
And do, you, do you find that some folks will then take somebody else's story? Oh, where did this happen? Oh, I, I got prayed for over at that church. So now everybody runs to that church or buys that book that a person read that helped them understand or goes to that river that they prayed. Oh, we're all looking for the formula. The formula. I know. The right? formula. I and the reality realize... is I think we have to abandon the idea that there is a formula. But maybe Which is would... hard. That that's that's so hard for us as humans because you know I think again using that word this idea of new, Newtonianism or whatever you want to call it. And I I'm sensitive to this this quote unquote quantum message and stuff because I think it can be just become another formula really really fast yeah. if we're not careful. Um, that's what it sure feels like to me. Who a lot of people who go there they they they're trying to find the magic formula of quantum. And the irony with quantum is it's it's it's, it's the complete dissolution, right, of, of formulated thinking. It's what it's supposed to be. And so I, I'm just going to go out and boldly say, if you feel like someone's trying to teach quantum as a formula, you should probably be a little, little bit just, you know, aware of that. But But the whole point is our world has taught us through our physical observations, through our tangible experiences, the formulas tend to work. Mm. Do you think it's unconscious right? though? Like people don't realize it, but once oh, you no, call no, it no, it's totally subconscious and even oh, okay. unconscious. I mean, I think, you know, again, since we were born, I think that's the, the maturation that the, the paradox of maturation is we become very, you know, programmed to formulas. As a child, we don't have formulas. We have imagination, you know, it, this, this, this stick isn't a stick. Now this stick is also a magic wand and I'm a wizard and these trees are alive and these are real things. So no faith is required then if you have a formula. Exactly. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the yeah. by interacting with the logos. It comes so so that these point there's something in us that we need, you know, y'all know. And, but at some I'm, point, I'm, yeah, we go, this is just a stick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about original <laughs> sin. I am talking about a sickness we all have. There is a certain a desire in us that needs to be rooted up that I can, I don't have to have faith. I don't have mm. to think about all that. All I got to do is apply this formula and people apply that to even how they read scripture. Give me a formula, yeah. read scripture. So I don't have to hear the spirit explain it to me. <laughs> it is, I'm not kidding you guys. This is, I know <laughs> I can tell not, 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 not too big a thing, but uh, you know, somebody I was posting on universalism, Patricia universalism. <laughs> and some guys goes in there and he says, scriptures, so I give him over a hundred scriptures. His comment in return is, well, this isn't the right form. Obviously, if I exegeted all these scriptures, I have exegeted all these scriptures, and then none of them have anything to do with universalism, but this form isn't the appropriate place for it. So what does he do? He And people are using this because you don't use the modern hermeneutic, you, you know, you hide behind it and you use it as an excuse. So you don't have to believe and hear God the wonderful mysteries of scripture mm. through the spirit, through the imagination. It wants yeah. to shut it. There's something we're, there's something that we don't see a blind spot. We have where we're looking for the formula for the literal truth, for something that excuses us from hearing and interacting with the most gorgeous thing in existence, which is God. But something yeah. in still is either lazy or just, you know, worried or just mis misperceived about it. Um, so yeah, well, going I'm, back. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, going back. Going back to scripture, I think this is the entire narrative of Genesis 1. I mean, Genesis, excuse me, Genesis 2, really, right? Starting at the end of Genesis, where we're in the garden. This 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is the tree of formula, right? That's the tree of certainty. That's the tree of this is right, this is wrong, the categorization, right? And and then you move it beyond that into, you know, Cain and Abel and you, vengeance enters the scene, sin enters the scene, all these kind of things. This this is while they're, you know, literal or not, this is this is the story of the human journey becoming consumed and, and and believing God, this idea out there needs this sacrificial response from us in order to bless us or curse us, right? Which is that's the whole story of Cain and Abel. And I, not to go back, but intentionally, but I think even the book of Job, if, if we're looking at the his, history of scripture, very well may be the oldest story in the Bible. It's the probably maybe the first recorded one. And that whole story is, is exactly what we're talking about, right? It's this idea of this this man who has tremendous blessings. He, he's been given every kind of tangible blessing of that culture, right? Land, cattle, you know, wealth, um, a big family, you know, he's his, his progeny. He's got all this stuff and it's all taken from him. And his friends come in and are like, what'd you do to piss off God? No. <laughs> they're, just, they're just hammering him. What'd you do? What'd you do? Well, you know, like, you know, so it's all, it's back to that. Why has God blessed you? And why has God cursed you in the same narrative? And it's, it's long, it's poetic, it's allegorical. It's, I don't know, repetitive. Um, and but I, it builds up, it builds a theology though. It does. Richard's the first person besides myself that, that I thought I was a crazy person. I'll be honest. Cause you have these, these three friends that all show up um, before God ultimately shows up. There's one other guy who's kind of, uh, I think misunderstood a lot. It's Elihu, right? And Elihu is this younger guy who shows up. And, and it's interesting because I've heard so many people dog Elihu as like the worst of the four. I don't know if you've ever heard this or not. Like a lot of people look at him and say, he's the most unbelieving and un, you know, I, I'm in complete disagreement with that that line. If you ever go and read uh, a the book of Job or anything on the book of Job. He's bringing a totally reverse polarity to what the first three guys. I, I honestly think it's the almost the pre-incarnate word of Christ in the form of Elihu. Not almost. He, <laughs> huh? Not almost. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Jesus. And, and, and he's saying some things that are radically different than the three guys before him said. And it's the only person that God doesn't even address or contradict or anything when God comes back on the scene and starts speaking his, his narrative of the story. Um, and, and so I, I think there's something there. I have it right here, but he's like I'm trying to remember, I pulled it up. Um, I mean, great men are not always wise, nor do they always understand justice. Therefore I say, listen to me. I will also declare my own opinion. Again, this is the young non this is the guy who's not supposed to have the wisdom right and um trying to remember where it says but it's 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 fascinating that even in the oldest story of scripture the same thing we're talking about this is this is the i don't know the the play for lack of a better word the the, the script right the the poem of exactly what we're talking about that happened probably before genesis was even written well, and the most important thing he said is that God does not afflict. He comes to yeah. me and he sucks these guys and he's saying, what are you saying? God does not afflict. So that this whole thing is, is, is based on us thinking that God is afflicting either by not mm -hmm. healing us or by sending it on us. But, but wait, but wait, 
there's more. There's a song that we sing. He gives and takes away. So that <laughs> he must afflict. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's address that real quick, because that's that's a big one. People yeah. believe that one. Well, and it's in scripture, right? So therefore it must be true. Well, or, it's in all scripture. It is. Correct. It's old testament. Or is it the is it the transparency of humanity being captured in? Yes. They were writing in the what record they of scripture. Yes. Yeah, the humanity and, was transparent, and it may not truly reflect God. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the. Anyway, you know what I mean. But it's but, pointing. If we're all also really honest and open to the Spirit, it's pointing to a a a, a picture larger than itself, a hope larger than itself, a goodness larger than itself. Almost always, if we read something like that in Scripture, and you just keep going a little further. There's a twist. There's a turn. There's a light that shines on that darkness or that shadow and reilluminates it and gives us a better understanding of what it's pointing to. And always, if we go far enough, you're going to start to see some sort of characteristic that is unmistakably an attribute of Christ. And, and, and here's the thing. This is why we needed Jesus. This is why mm. the Old Testament couldn't get us there because it That's couldn't right. see through. It couldn't see through these things. So Jesus comes in the new. So we can say in his incarnation, did he afflict anybody? Did he oppress anybody? Did he kill anybody? Did he yep. stone anybody? Or did he approve of any of that with anybody? Or did he cure it when he was there and he, mm. and he looked to cure it? And you can honestly say, Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good healing all who were oppressed by the devil. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Except Nazareth is the one that, that is in there. And that's why it's so important to us, because it doesn't say he chose not to do good works. It said he could do no mighty works. So even Jesus there in person was limited in that situation because of their corporate unbelief, mm. because of the, uh, the scorched sky that was over that area. So instead of asking so instead of asking, why exactly is this scorched sky? I mean, what is this scorched sky? We don't know that. That's beyond our pay grade. We're not omniscient. We don't know all the pond ripples that hit that hit that sky and made that sky at the same time. All we can do is try to hear the light. And it gets back to your original question, Mike. You know, Paul said, mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what I would just advise anyone in this pain thing. Let's start there. I'm going to rejoice with those who rejoice. And I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be oblivious or insensitive to those who are mourning. I mean, you yeah. could err on both those sides. So we, you know, when there's rejoicing, let's all rejoice. But when there's mourning, let, let's let's mourn. Yeah, and I think I think in today's culture, the the idea, and I think this is maybe a sensitive area for people who have walked through some level of, again, I to use the terminology, but deconstruction or whatever, is that we we develop a pretty heavy cynicism toward anything Christian related that has goodness in it still. I'm guilty. I, I'm, I'm very guilty of it. I mean, I, I've, I've had those moments in times where, you know, I probably a recent example is this um, Asbury um, revival. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, I, I, I don't know that a hundred percent of it has, you know, all this craziness to it, but there's something there. There's a seed there. And, and I saw so much cynicism against it. <laughs> That just as Richard's saying, why why don't we look for the good and call out the good from it and hope that that good continues to take root and 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 blossom? Um, we we need to do a better job of you know holding ourselves uh, encouraged. I was about to say accountable, but that's the wrong type of 
language. Again, we, we need to encourage one another to, to really, you know, look at things uh, from the spiritual point of view and try to find those, those spots of light, praise the spots of light, just like you're saying. And then when there's shadow, um, we don't need to focus on the shadow. We need to be aware of the shadow. We need to understand that we can co-suffer in the shadow, but yeah. we also should look to blame the shadow on the light, mm. which is what that's, that's what we tend to do so much. Like, Oh, the church, it's the church. Uh, let's blame the church for all this bad that's happened in the world. Well, the church isn't responsible for the bad. The institution that's kind of take, hijacked may have some responsibility, but why don't we just focus on the good and let let the good continue to overwhelm the darkness. I'm I'm surprised at how many people are trying to take over somebody else's job that was never theirs. They're not even <laughs> qualified. It's called the whole job of the Holy Spirit. We're we're not it. And if we yeah. could just surrender and let the wind blow where it needs to blow and not judge, is it of God? Is it not of God? Well, wait for the fruit. Shut up for now. Quit judging. I think our judgmentalism in our background that's so rooted is being the tentacles are being released and pulled free as we continue to expand our understanding of who God is, his goodness, his joy, his grace. If just like you were saying in the book of Job, if Jesus is personified in that one person, my goodness, where else in the old Testament is Jesus personified? I just heard something this morning uh, about Melchizedek in, uh, I think yep. it's, and uh, maybe you know this one, Genesis 14, verse mm -hmm. 18, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out, listen to this, I never saw this before, bread and wine. He was yep. a priest of God most high. Priest. First time priest is ever mentioned. And bread and wine, what's that? It's communion. The Lord's over again. Grace was yeah. there then, mm -hmm. but I've never seen that before. Yep. And I was pointed out because of Peter Hyatt, shared that in a message just recently. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I need to re-listen. There's grace there. There's not judgment. And even in that judgment, grace is there. And maybe we just got to get so flooded with it. And that's uh, that reminding. It, yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's, that's the point. Like he said, when you take this, hmm. remember me. Yeah. And I think that's the part that we also, as people just tend to like get a little scared about that. It, I understand that. It's normal to dismember at points in time in our life. It's okay. We give grace for ourselves, in other words, right? We need to have grace for ourselves that, hey, I'm, I've kind of gone back into this judgmentalism. I've kind of fallen back into relying on formulas. I've kind of gone back into karma. Nope. Little bread, little wine. Again, to be metaphorical. It can be literal, too. It doesn't matter. Both are acceptable. It can be, you know. The point is to re remember, reattach our spirit back to Father Spirit, and to start flowing the same, you know, love. You mean mentally though? Not this is a subjective uh, yeah. remembering, not objective, because we are already membered one in Being Christ, a, which means yes. many people have either don't know it or have forgotten. It, yeah, it's not about reconnecting with God in the in the tangible, uh, well, yeah, in the literal sense, but yeah. our consciousness. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's right. the service of the consciousness. Because, listen, I, I watched this TV show. I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's like Lost. It's very similar to Lost, but it's called The Resort. And it's on uh, uh, it's on Hulu and then uh, Peacock. Either one of those. It's on both of those. But it, and it has some time travel aspects to it. But it's really mm -hmm. not neat. But there's a concept in there that you, this guy's leaking memories from his ear. 
And, um, and what it comes to be is that when he's young, we remember things almost effortlessly when we're young mm-hmm. about how is, how wonderful it is. But the older we get, we begin to lose that memory, that memory value. Mm-hmm. It just goes out and we start looking at these things formulated. And so I, I really like the idea of, of, of do this in remembrance of me, because really the bread, the bread and the wine are the nature. It's the nature of Jesus. Y'all know that. I mean, blood is the spirit and the bread is his flesh. I mean, do this. Consume. And wine's intoxicating. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. No, no, it's great juice, Mike. We'll, that's a different conversation. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you straight out there. It'll meet down the road. <laughs> but, but just the whole idea that his nature, his divine nature. And listen, listen, Deuteronomy 28, you, you know, you want to read a bipolar chapter. You read Deuteronomy 28 <laughs> because that's where the blessings and the curses are. So God in the first 14 verses is saying, I'll do all these wonderful things for you if you, you know, if, if you just recognize me and believe in me. And then it does a pivot in the second half. And he starts saying, but if you don't do all these things, then I'm going to start pounding you. I'm going to delight to send marvelous plagues your way. I'm going to put crotch burning on you and make your kids cannibal. Let them beat each other. We know by the spirit of God that Jesus never would say anything like that. Never. So here we are. That's why that, but that dualistic mind that we're talking about, the same God that blesses us, curses us. That chapter needed to be broken by the New Testament. That mm-hmm. thinking needed to be broken by the testimony of Jesus. And he did, because he would say, my father would do none of those things. James said, let no man say God is involved in the affliction of anybody. You know, John said, in, in, God is light in him. There's no darkness at all. That's the whole point of the gospel is to remove. I like the way you said it, Bill, that blaming the, the, the shadow, you know, uh, the, the light. light. You know, that's, that's Deuteronomy 20 is that's the best example of that. Yeah. But when we call it out and when, when we differentiate it out and let Jesus separate from us, then we're not focused. I mean, don't you think? I mean, you never heard Jesus sit there and wonder, you know, about why this happened or why did that happen? He was he was tapped into some other broader view of things where he was going around looking for what he could do in the moment, looking for what access he had in the moment to shine the light on if he started focusing on the negatives on whoa why was that man born blind no no that's not the question they ask you know they said did he sin or did his parents sin that he was born blind neither one of them jesus said let the glory of god be revealed why can't you people listen i sound like seinfeld why can't you people (laughs) you know let the glory of god the question here this the statement to make is let allow the glory of god to be revealed stop thinking about where it came from who to blame you know, we're just such blame shifters and blame pointers, you know, yeah. but when we eliminate that mentality, all that's left is what we're saying, Bill, about the good. We're yeah. And, and, and to kind of put a put a maybe an exclamation point, because I know we're getting close to the end. Um, I think this all concludes in, in the apex moment of, of, you know, God's coronation in Christ on the cross. You, you were talking about the scorched earth over Nazareth. I mean, that's a, you know, there's a reason the metaphor or the literal, whatever you want to say, the sky became dark in the cross, right? The, 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 the entire human mentality of knowledge of good and evil coalesces in this moment upon Christ, not God, us. We darken the sky above his death, right? We're the one putting our desires for vengeance and for, you know, retaliation and karma onto the son of god and and what does he do 
he absorbs it. And he does two things. A, he absorbs it. He draws all human judgment into himself. All, all means all. Number one. Um, well, actually, I guess technically I'm gonna go three things. Number number two, he he emotes with us. And he quotes Psalms, you know, 22, and he says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He takes on this mind of separated Adam, not because he's reinforcing the words of David in that first verse. He's looking at the entirety of that passage, and that's probably a different discussion for another day, but you get to verse 24, and then it says in, in Psalms 22, I think verse 24, for he has not turned his back on it, and he has not despised the afflicted one, but he heard his cry for help. So Jesus is saying, I get what Adam felt, and in Adam, all of you feel. I, I relate. I am related to this, and yet I'm going to maintain the faith of not falling into that trap, and it is finished. And in that forget, in that in that finishing, he forgives the corporate mind of humanity for causing this dark darkness to fall upon him. But but and nobody he, had asked for it yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so <laughs> Jesus is personifying our, our our. He's co-suffering with us, and in the same moment revealing that the, the idea that we can we can we can live above this th this mess right and we we can we can remind ourselves that that there is forgiveness for those who are unforgivable hmm. amen i just posted a, a passage the other day where god says um i shall um I shall have mercy on no mercy. Mm. You know, I, I, and I think I saw that one. Who, the people who are not my God, I will be their God. And they will say, you are my God. It's like no, no matter what they are, no matter how hard they are, their mind, their is. This is why the body of Christ is so exciting to me, y'all, because this isn't just Christians. This isn't just, you know, hermeneutical guys that are in the body of Christ. This is the whole world. This is why univer Patricia Universalism is true, because it's a call to humanity. It's a call to Adamic, second Adamic humanity. It is. It's all of us. And the, the reason why things happen is because we're all connected. And there's pond ripples all over the place between between people that crash on certain people at certain times. That's that's un that's unknowable to know why. But at the same time. You know, I think one thing we do need to be careful with, and I know we're, we're getting tight here, but the, the one thing we do need to be careful with is groupthink. That gr we can be part of a groupthink that can actually inhibit the spirit of God from yep. working. Situation. It's not just our individual thoughts. In fact, I don't even think it's primarily our individual thoughts. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's groupthink that we buy buy into, which is why it's important to deconstruct away from groupthinks that that keep us low functioning. You know. Mm. And, and we, we recapture some individuality in it, but we but like, you know, but then we enter that analogy becomes there's a difference between groupthink and these are semantical words and union. Right. Mm. We want to be in union with father, spirit and son, and we can be in union with another human being. So where, where are we where are we drawing? Where are we drawing yeah. our energy from? Is it from union with yeah. Christ or union from the pack? Yes. Yeah. Bingo. Yes. 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 Well, and me, that, me... that that fizzles. That, you know, from the yes, past, it that, wears off. And it always changes. It, 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 that's that's that whole memetic thing. Well, yeah. well, I got a I got a follow up question. This is our last one ish. We still got a few more minutes. Um, the yeah, but folks, uh, as you were sharing stories of 
um that's what this book this could mean the old testament jesus said that he contra- you know he he didn't call out or affirm the violence and the the, the genocide so to speak in the old testament Somebody's going to say, yeah, but what about, and now they're reading the second half of those rules, but I will smite you. And if you do this and all those curses. So the, yeah, buts, what would you say to somebody who has the authentic? Yeah. Buts is it, could it be preconditioned? I got to have all the right answers. Just like your post, Richard, I want to, I want to give a shout out to your post. You did three hours ago on, they never exegeted. They never exegeted a passage analyzing all this over analyzing could be half the problem in how we approach these subjects. I just want to, what do you, what do you say to the yeah, butters? Yeah. I, I think that, that uh, it's, it's someone asking that thread, you know, are you saying that we shouldn't look at the context, I, you know, of any passage? And I'm saying uh, you can, and that can show you some things, but it's not going to show you all the other ways to read scripture. There's ways to read scripture where it's, that are context free. And if we were honest, the New Testament, when they quoted the Old Testament, when the New Testament writers yeah. quoted the Old Testament writers, they did not pull the context into it. They took it out of context and jammed it into Christ. They <laughs> yeah. reformed it into Christ, re, you know, Plato. You know, the Old Testament was Plato then, but they meant to, to glorify Christ, some angle of Christ, some angle into Christ, some angle from Christ. Hmm. You know, um, I posted something just a few minutes ago. Uh, I'd written it a while back, but I mean, it had to do with, with entering the text. You know, that might be something good, you know, to, to give a couple of examples sometime in the future about the, this particular one was about the forgiving servant. Does God torture unforgiving servants? You know, like, like the parable might seem to say. But then when we enter the text as an open text, because we're, we're hearing Jesus today, here and now, where do we challenge this parable? You know, just because Jesus put facts in there, because there are certain versions of it where there's no violence at all in one gospel and then in another there is. But the point is, What's our responsibility? We enter into this with our conscience and with the spirit of Christ in us. What do we challenge here? What do we accept? What do we affirm? You know, yeah. but it requires penetrating the text yeah. instead of applying a stinking formula to it. That's you right. Know? So it's the nature of God. It's the bread and wine in us. That it's the bread and wine. It's the cross, right? We take the cross and we we, we even take the words of Jesus and, and we twist them into that shape of the cross, right? And then you can see the wry smile on Jesus with this hyperbolic parable that may seem to affirm these like blessings and curses and realize that Jesus is saying something so crazy to these people that he's basically vanquishing it in his narrative. But you can't do that unless you, you take it from the position of his most perfect unveiling on the cross first. Yeah. You know, and it's... Yeah, I, I completely got to hold a loose grip with it, and we we have to allow Holy Spirit to to shine the light on it. Final question to those that are authentically asking, you know, where where's my blessing? Um, maybe I know now I have that wrong mindset that is ego minded rather than <laughs> union minded. How would you speak to that person that's kind of hurting right now and wishing, yeah. wanting that blessing, and really they have? I, th- I think that's. This may be hard to hear, and and I want to be sensitive to it because I don't I don't want this to come across insensitive. Um, but Jesus showed us that blessing is not necessarily how we have understood it hmm. from this um, ex you know this ex experience outside of us that the blessing comes from inside of us, and our circumstances don't define blessing. And and 
it's you know it says the joy set before him he endured the cross yeah and everybody who looked at jesus said that was a cursed man and, and yet inside he knew that he was getting the greatest blessing that that's ever been given by anybody on in the in the cosmic creation because he he became union and and, and is the source of all creation right on the cross so i think the second we start to externalize our blessing we're already we're, we're already trying to formulate it form you know formalize it um Pavlov's dog you know the, the blessing you? has to come from a change of our consciousness to realize we no matter what our circumstances is Paul sitting in the middle of literal human filth in a in a you know in Philippians saying that that you know I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me and right reading Philippians 4 you know focus on the good the positive the blessing the, he's sitting in human filth in a in a a prison cell when he's writing these things, our joy and our blessings no longer defined by our external circumstances. They're defined by who God says we are. And then I think it's ironic that in many cases, not all, sometimes that, that ends out in maybe some sort of, again, ob observational curse, even though we know it's not, or man and, and you actually finding healing, you finding blessing. And again, that's that whole, the light, it's not our defining what the blessing is, what the curse is. That's the unknown. That's the area of faith we just have to take and trust that that is good. And it's going to work all those things together for good. Yeah. And I would, I would say too, it's perfectly okay to mourn. It's perfectly absolutely okay. grief. And we're, you know, we're here and try to comfort that person and maybe us be sensitive. If, if there is a healing that takes place, don't automatically share it with somebody who's just gone through a disaster. Be sensitive to that. The spirit might want you to share it. The spirit might not want you to share it. But, uh, you know, sometimes these decisions are made, uh, you know, are, are not made in the heat of the moment. And what I mean by that is if someone's mourning, you know, oh, well, let me correct you, brother, you know, with Jesus and the man born blind. You know, that would be insensitive of us to try to correct someone's thought in the moment. But in the cool, when they cool down and maybe it's not they, the pain isn't so intense or maybe the bitterness isn't so intense, they can catch it in a cold moment and then self-apply it, you know, and because really people need to self-apply this thing. But it's not it's OK. I mean, we all no matter how, you know, we all rock. I mean, I know you're you know, with the, we're all rocked by these things. You know, Bill, I know you're, you know, your your dad passed recently and I know that was devastating to you, you know, from a, for a lot of different ways. And but it's perfectly OK to mourn. And it um, it's natural. I, it's, it, yeah. yeah. And but but at the same time, it's not good to stay there and dwell there and let it Correct. become a, a root. And that's yep. you know, but even then there, there may come a better time to share that sort of thing with somebody and, and a time not to. You know, there, there is, we need wisdom, but it's ongoing wisdom that lives in us. Jesus lives in us to help us be wise. And if something is keeping your tongue from saying something, but there may be a time when you need to be as bold as a lion because God's given you something to share with somebody. And again, back to no formula, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's where we just walk into, we walk in, we walk in faith and the spirit will guide and, and give us that prompting. So maybe, yes. maybe for the person <clears throat> that is struggling with these questions, um, uh, here's some potential wisdom. Maybe ask Jesus what needs to change in your mindset that's hindering you from healing or processing. And if you're a friend trying to comfort, ask the Holy Spirit, should I be quiet? What should I say? How can I be loving right now? Instead of being the answer people. Um, Amen. I think Jesus is in every situation. 
the blessing of Christ in us is already in us. We have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing known to mankind. It's already in us. We're not feeling it. We're not activating it. We're not, uh, we're not conscious of it. And when we're dealing with grief and pain, we're even less conscious of it. So maybe just ask, quietly ask the Holy Spirit. Back back to communion, right? Communion doesn't necessarily mean going and eating bread and wine. It's, it's, it's unplugging for lack of a better word in our society. Yeah. And, and just sitting in the presence and a meal and just realizing that you're loved. Yeah. yeah. Catch your breath. Just catch and that's, your breath. And if we start there and just, just really just understand how loved we are um, by the creator of the cosmos, then we will love as we've been first loved. When we begin to start to shape that way. But if we don't take that time to remind ourselves, right, and, and remind ourselves. <laughs> that's good. Um, I like that. Yeah, then 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 we can really really start to, uh, you know, consciously become unaware of of where um, where we can be the hands and feet for, for of Christ here and here now. In the pain, we, of, go ahead. We really are talking about the conscious level. This is all about correct. Correct. We have subconscious stuff going on. We have super conscious stuff going on. We're sitting. <laughs> yep. <with> that, like, <laughs> Some aspect of us is it this is the 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 consciousness is where we're at now what we're aware of now and that's the renewing of the mind that we're supposed to to conform it every day conform it to the goodness of god renew your mind that you may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of god you know yeah. and that that's the renewal but it's already all the others it's already in us it's almost like we just got to stir the stir the drink you know this problem yeah. <laughs> stir it up and get it up into our consciousness well, maybe maybe some folks can just stop trying to be so over spiritual and over theological and realize <laughs> Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. There's a promise in Isaiah. He's not a broken or bent reed. He's not going to break. He's a, a little candle thing that's still got a little flicker. He's not going to snuff out. Amen. That's the grace of God, not Amen. the stuff that we've misunderstood. So, Amen. and then give wine to drunk people. <laughs> well thank you everyone too. i mean he, like you said he came to heal people and party i think those are the <laughs> yeah exactly. yep exactly. i love it well thank you gentlemen and eventually and... he's gonna go i got nobody left to heal uh, exactly <laughs> i came uh, to hear people party and at some point there won't be anybody left to heal <laughs> and there's gonna be a time where no one needs to say do you know the lord Amen. that's right it feels like let's stick with the partying one i like that there you go. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up. Thank you, everyone. Um, this was an important discussion. Hopefully uh, there was some encouragement to you and your soul. Uh, if you're hurting or really wondering where's God in in moment of darkness, because even I'm sure all three of us here, we have happy days and we come across all with it sometimes when we're having these discussions, but there's, there's waves, ebbs and flows of depression and discouragement and you name it, it hits us all. Um, and so just being real, mm-hmm. be honest. And uh, I love these two guys because they are transparent and honest. And it's a pleasure working with you guys. Thanks, guys. All right. I hope that was an encouraging conversation for everyone. Uh, thanks for those that were chiming in and with comments. Um, I tell you, it's a big topic. Um, maybe that's why the book The Shack um, kind of hit home for so many people. Because it's, it, it addresses the question of where is God in our pain? 
what about the judgments of God? Phenomenal parable story. It, it is a really, really good book if you haven't read it yet. Um, anyway, <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed that. Share it with somebody. Rewatch it if you need to. Uh, it was really good for me to listen live with you because um, we recorded this last Friday. And I never go back and re-listen. I listen to it for the first time with you uh, on these uh, Wednesday morning um, times together. So if you have a topic that you would like kind of maybe addressed, let, let us know. Uh, send me a private message and uh, I'll, I'll chat with the guys or find a different teacher, speaker, individual that can that maybe has a more passionate um, perspective on a, a given topic. Um, I hope to expand that some more the rest of this year. Um, but this was this is really good. So thanks, uh, Richard and Bill. Uh, looking forward to the next one. All right, that's all I've got for today. I hope you have a fantastic day, and uh, we'll catch you next Wednesday morning. Uh, if you're around Sunday mornings, you're welcome to join in again. Same channel. Um, we go live on Sunday mornings. It's a different style. There's a, uh, a church family meeting together, and, and we just stream it out to the rest of you that uh, would like to look in and, and take in what's happening with this little small church. And uh, uh, hopefully you find grace in that too. So until then, we're all still growing in grace because after all, no one's really arrived, and nor will we. So uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.